you're going to hate me. Because I come to your town and we beat your team. Welcome in to the All Out Kentucky Podcast, your home for the Kentucky Wildcats basketball and football programs. I am your host, AJ Bradley, and I am joined as always by my brother and co-host, Sam Bradley. We have seen the Kentucky Wildcats football program under head coach Mark Stoops make leaps and bounds during his tenure, and he has the fan base extremely excited for things to come. After a strange COVID year where the team struggled, it was great to see the Cats bounce back in 2021 with a strong showing throughout the year. A new look offense was on display in Lexington as offensive coordinator Liam Cohen and crew were able to develop a complimentary passing game to coexist with our already strong run game. Unfortunately, Cohen accepted a position back with the LA Rams and is no longer on staff, but Stoops was able to replace him with another coach who has a lot of success at the NFL level. On today's episode, we want to recap the 2021 season for the Cats give you a look at our new offensive coordinator and how that will impact the team for next season and for seasons to come. We'll get you caught up on the players who left the program, and we're also going to take a brief look at Mark Stoops and his time here at Kentucky and where he is taking our program in the future. And last but not least, we will have Sam give you the most recent news and updates surrounding both the basketball and football team Lots of exciting stuff going on, so we'll get to that later. And Sam, I would like to start with the recap of the football season last year, get the listeners caught up, and get the conversation going. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for bringing us in there, AJ. Uh, It's exciting to have the football conversation back on our agenda. Um, You know, obviously, a lot has already been developing. We, We are now past the spring game. Uh, of the blue and white game that happened actually two weekends ago in Lexington. And, you know, the team's really starting to come together and that's exciting. But first we wanted to take that opportunity to kind of think back on what last year was Um, a lot of accomplishments, a lot of milestones were hit again. And that's a building block that Mark Stoops, as you kind of alluded to has continuously done since he came into the Kentucky football program, just building, off of one good year after another, after another, after another. And, um, you know, that's ultimately why BBN and the entire campus has just fallen in love with Mark Stoops and what he's been able to do for us. But, um, you know, more importantly, last year, like you said, AJ was kind of coming off the heels of a weird COVID year where we only played SEC teams. So um, difficult year to gauge as far as where we actually were, um, but answered the bell extremely well this past season uh we ended with a record of 10 and 3 mind you 5 and 3 in conference play and we put the cherry on top with the huge win against iowa in the citrus bowl uh the second citrus bowl champs in 
the tenure of Mark Stoops with our program. So uh, a lot to look back and think fondly of. I think the biggest noteworthy wins last year, AJ, were, uh, in my opinion, the Florida win at home. We have kind of finally broken that curse that was over us for so long. And of the last couple of seasons, we've beat them now, gosh, AJ, three times out of five. That's extremely exciting. I mean, that's a program that used to dominate us for our losing streak of, you know, nearly 25 years. And since the last five years, we've really stepped into our own and made that rivalry um, something that we look forward to every season and always kind of circle that date. And I think the next one, which uh, was extremely sweet for Big Blue Nation, was our massive routing of the Lowell Cardinals. We beat them at their barn by 31 points. Another just big milestone for Mark Stoops. Um, you know, the last couple of years we have pretty handedly beat the Cardinals and it's always nice, especially when we go into their barn and just kind of ruin their afternoon. But that was another great win. And as I alluded to earlier, none bigger than the Citrus Bowl championship that we were able to secure against the number 23 Iowa Hawkeyes. Um, You know, when you really dive into what was accomplished by the end of last year, you have to kind of think back of Iowa was pacing as a top four, top five school for almost four weeks last year, AJ. I mean, that was a team that was dominating at the college level, and it wasn't necessarily the most exciting team to watch. Uh, You know, low-scoring affairs in the Big Ten, um, defensive-minded team where as of late you could kind of see their offense struggle at times to put points on the board. But nonetheless, that was a huge win for Mark Stoops and the Kentucky Wildcats. And he's really got this program rolling and coming off the heels now of a strong 2021 year. It's fun to look ahead and think of the opportunities that lie ahead for the 2022 season. Absolutely, Sam. And a few things that I just wanted to touch on about last season. And, um, you know, I had a few things written down, and um, I guess what I wanted to say was I honestly left the feel left the season feeling um, very hopeful and optimistic about what was to come. Um, we've seen our program, like I said in our intro, um, really take leaps and bounds, um, just massive strides over the last few seasons um, to put ourselves in the conversation. Um, be able to win 10 games in a season, uh, consistently win bowl games. Um, super exciting. And um, something that happened um, throughout that time was, um, you know, there was a point where Lynn Bowden was playing quarterback for quite some time and he was putting up a ton of rushing yards and everything. But um, having Will Levis uh, in town last year really kind of gave us um, some consistent quarterback play that we hadn't seen in a, in a while. Um, and I think just seeing that more of that pro-style offense last year and being able to go out there and score 50 points in a game and be able to run up the score sometimes and go out there and actually um, have a legit offense that is going to put pressure on another team. And, you know, we got real playmakers that they have to game plan for. Um 
it's just exciting to see that sort of stuff happening. And I know, um, you know, there's other schools out there that are saying, <laughs> laughing at us like, oh yeah, whatever, you're not there yet. But um, for us, you know, super exciting to see those sorts of things transpire. Um, you know, we won most of the games that we were supposed to, um, which... I mean, you can't really ask for much more. Uh, we went through a really tough stretch there during the season where we had some, you know, hard games, Georgia, Tennessee, Mississippi State, um, kind of r- right there in that gauntlet. And um, the Tennessee game, you know, could have gone either way. It was a high-scoring affair. Um, would have liked to see us win that one, but at the end of the day, you know, it's not like we played terrible or anything like that, so you kind of have to live with the result. Um the only one that really frustrated me, honestly, was the Mississippi State game. I mean, we we go out, we take an early seven nothing lead, um, get excited, and then three interceptions from Levis, just kind of a total meltdown. Um, so that that's the only one where I, I it sticks out to me a little bit, where it's just, oh man, you know, even if we had lost, I just wish we would have had played better in that game. Um, but you know, it happens. That's really the only game the whole season where it was kind of like, oh man, we just did not play well. I mean, I know we got beat by Georgia, um, but I thought we hung tough in that game. We showed a lot of pride. I mean, that's a national championship team right there. And, you know, we did everything we could to, to hang in there and play tough. And I was proud of the team for that game. So definitely something that I will remember and, um, you know, like I said, I, I left the season feeling hopeful and optimistic about what's to come. A lot of good things last season. You know, some things we got to clean up. A little too many turnovers last year, fumbles and interceptions. Honestly, bit us in the ass a few times. Would have loved to see that not happen. But, um, you know, those are things that can be corrected and fixed up in the offseason and going forward. And um, Mark and his coaching staff for sure know that. So, um like I said, exciting season, a lot to build on. 10 wins, pretty impressive. Can't knock that. So, um, pretty awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And finishing the year with the final 2021 rankings coming out um, after the national championship game, Kentucky finished at number 18. So, that's extremely exciting. And like you said, it's it's enough to build off of. Obviously, um, historically, Kentucky, these last couple of seasons, we've really stepped into our own, and we're still fighting for that respect. And to finish the season at 18 and actually open uh, with the preseason rankings for this upcoming year as a preseason top 25 team, that is the respect that we're looking for. And Mark Stoops ultimately has earned with this program. I mean, um, like you said, just stacking one good year after another, another 10 win season under his belt with UK that ultimately opens up the door for a really exciting year of what's to come. Um, You kind of alluded to it, AJ. I think my last kind of note as I reflected back on last year was as a home fan, they really couldn't have asked for anything more other than like you said, maybe that Tennessee win. you know, it was a high scoring affair. It was a very, um, exhilarating game to be at it was just a bummer that we didn't obviously secure the w but putting up north of 40 points i mean you know you kind of got to get stops down the stretch there and and win that ball game on your home turf but 
we did finish with a home record of six and one and that Tennessee loss was actually the only loss at home. And as a fan, you've got to be extremely excited about the fact that we're defending our home turf. You know, uh, Kroger field is an extremely exciting place to catch a football game in the bluegrass. And I'm excited to get back there and hopefully we see more in the same this upcoming season, as far as, you know, defending our barn and protecting our home turf. Yeah, I mean, you got to be able to win on your on your own home field. Um, it's always a struggle to go out on the road and win games, especially in the SEC. I mean, most most games you're going on the road and you're playing a very quality opponent, so you got to be ready to play. Um, and that's kind of why I talked about some of those those turnovers because that those sorts of things really come come back to bite you. So, um, winning on your home field, obviously. A good thing, got to be able to go out there and continue to put up a fight on the road and continue to build on some of the successes that we had last year. Um, And speaking of the successes that we had last year, um, it's due in large part to a strong class of players that have declared to leave school and um, go to the NFL draft. Some graduated, most graduated, some just choosing to go to the NFL draft. But um, you got seven players um, that were invited to the combine should be drafted at some point along the way within the four days of the draft process. Um, Those players being wide receiver Wandale Robinson, offensive tackle Dare Rosenthal, safety Yusuf Corker, center Luke Fortner, Offensive tackle, Darian Kennard. Defensive tackle, Marquan McCall. And defensive end, Josh Paschal. And I know you guys are probably thinking, wow, uh, yeah, that's a lot of our good players that aren't going to be on the team next year. And uh, me and Sam just had a few things to touch on about that. And I think, you know, as, as we are sad that they are leaving, I think one thing to note is, guys, that's seven players that were invited to the NFL combine that should be drafted that ranks 11th nationally out of all the schools in division one. So you can see the type of players that Mark Stoops and his coaching staff are starting to bring into our program. The development with some of these guys not being super high, highly recruited players. Um, so it's, it's super encouraging to see these, these sorts of players be able to go on and start to have success at the next level and to be able to put some of our guys in the pros because um, that goes a long way with being able to attract new talent to the program um, where our coaches can go out and say, hey, look, look I mean, you can, you can go back four or five years now. We're putting guys in the pros every single year and they're getting positions in the NFL and they're working their way into starting roles and backup roles and um, – starting to be able to make some money at the next level and things of that nature. So um, just something to keep in mind. Yeah, obviously, as you reflect back on last year and the the individuals that are leaving Lexington, Kentucky and heading on to bigger and um, brighter things in the their opportunities ahead in the NFL. But gosh, we, we really did have some key impact players at, um, you know, vital positions last year that are going to be leaving us. And I think the most hopeful thing, AJ, is obviously um, we're going to dive into the all the players that are coming in 
for next season on the next episode of the All Out Kentucky podcast. But we really did address all these key positions. You know, we we've gone out and got a four star wide receiver. We've gone out and got a previous four star um, safety transferring in from in conference. We have you know two four stars coming in at the offensive and defensive tackle, and you know we're addressing these key areas. Um, but gosh, we, we really did have a, a fun team last year with uh, a lot of veterans. And I think that's going to be our opportunity this next year is having players step into their own and the, those veteran roles and really take those leaps as leaders for our team. You know, we've got a lot of returning talent. It's just now they've got to step into the limelight and basically drive our program um, forward. And, and as we've seen in past years, AJ, like you said, I mean, we've, we've taken talent to the NFL um, pretty consistently over the last couple of years, but nonetheless, this class leaving us this year is by far the deepest. And, you know, we're going to see some pretty high draft stocks come out um, with some of the individuals that you mentioned, obviously uh, Darian Kennard is going to be, elite at the next level same with josh pascal i mean he might be the most versatile defensive end in this year's draft class so you know it's it's really exciting to see what they're going to be able to accomplish at the next level i'm really hoping that wandell goes to maybe the patriots you know they could use all the offensive weapons as possible and i'd love to cheer him on um but regardless where he is and where the the rest of these fellers land we're definitely going to be supporting them yeah, 100%. Like I said, just exciting to see those guys be able to get to the next level um, coming through our program. And, you know, I mentioned it earlier, but last season we did have a new offensive coordinator in town. Liam Cohen um, came over from the L.A. Rams. Uh, he was the um, quarterback's coach there before he came to Kentucky here for one season. The Rams win the Super Bowl, and Liam Cohen gets hired back as the offensive coordinator for the Rams for next season. So, um, unfortunate to see him go, like I said, but can't blame the guy. I mean, a great opportunity to go back there and work with a successful franchise and a quarterback in Matt Stafford and uh, an elite offense out there in L.A. at the NFL level. So, happy for Liam. Um, really couldn't have asked him to do a better job last season of bringing in a new system, a brand new quarterback that we had in Will Levis as a transfer from Penn State, really getting our guys on the same page. I mean, you bring in a, a wide receiver in Wandale Robinson from Nebraska where, okay, so now you have a quarterback and a wide receiver who are t basically two of your most prominent players on offense. Um, and they've never been there before. And you have an offensive coordinator who's never been there before. And you're trying to incorporate these guys into a team that has a lot of guys who have been there for a few years. I mean, you talk about our running back room. Um, Chris Rodriguez leading that last year and him being around for a while. And just all the players that we had. I mean, so Liam Cohen, I mean, he did a wonderful job of coming in and just really kind of revamping our offense um, so I know a lot of you are going to be sad to see him leave, but um, as I previously mentioned, our new offensive coordinator does have a lot of success at the NFL level. Um, he's been a coordinator now and working in football at the collegiate and pro level for 20 plus years, um, and his name is Rich Scangarello, um, and he was the 49ers 
passing game coordinator, quarterbacks coach last season, kind of what Liam Cohn was doing for the Rams uh, before he came over here. So um, Rich is in town. He's been hired. He's getting to work. Um, A lot of the things that he wants to incorporate in our offense were on display in the spring game, which we will get into on a different date. But um, I'm going to have Sam kind of give you a little background on on Coach Scangarello and uh, where he may be taking our offense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in comes Rich Scangarello from the 49ers. Uh, I think the biggest excitement around this hire for the Kentucky Wildcats is that we're really not going to have to adjust our offense. And that's huge because Rich is going to have a very similar scheme set up as we did previously last year with Liam Cohen. Um, Obviously these guys are coming from the NFL and both the LA Rams and the 49ers have extremely similar offensive schemes at the NFL level that they have now used in pro-styled offense at the collegiate level. Uh, obviously, as you said, AJ, we, we really had a revamped, exciting, explosive offensive team last year, and it looks like it's shaping up to be extremely similar this upcoming year, which makes it a lot easier on who's at the throne in Kentucky with Loyal Levis. I mean, um, the ability to not have to restructure the entire offensive scheme next year is vital for the development and Will Levis and his opportunity to have an extremely efficient year and obviously put him in the best position to, you know, a year from now, open up the opportunity to be drafted in the NFL. So what we're getting out of Rich was kind of touched on by AJ. I mean, this guy has been at the collegiate level or the NFL for, like AJ said, 20 plus 25 years plus which is really exciting as we mentioned you know his previous job was with the 49ers he was the QB and like AJ alluded to um, offensive some help with the play calling on just passing but this guy has touched all parts of the NFL I mean he was actually at one point a offensive coordinator in the NFL um with the Denver Broncos. He also was an assistant coach with the Raiders, the Falcons, the Eagles. I mean, this guy has really touched on some prolific NFL quarterbacks and offensive weapons that he's got to work on -on one-on-one with. And he's bringing a wealth of knowledge to the Commonwealth. And that's extremely exciting. I mean, this guy's resume stacks up and he checks off the boxes. And I think that was what's so exciting about the hire um, because we don't really have to sit here and question his credibility and what he will be bringing us. He's going to really, like I said, have a similar approach to the offensive game. Um, You know, we're going to be a run first team with the fact that we still have Chris Rodriguez as our workhorse in the backfield. And, that opens up our opportunities to do our zone read offense um, really where we are going to be utilizing some of these new weapons that we've got on the offensive end. And um, Dan key who's coming as in as a four star wide receiver. I know he's going to be a freshman, but he's going to be an immediate impact player. And we kind of saw that on display um, in flashes at the spring game. And then as well, we've, 
really address the wide receiver position in the transfer portal, bringing in Javon Baker, who's a four-star recruit coming and transferring from Alabama, as well as Tavion Robinson, another four-star that has transferred and committed from Virginia Tech. So um, having those incoming players and marrying them with Rich Strangrello, obviously those players are going to be high-impact players, but they're coming into a new system. So I think it's it's exciting that Rich gets to work with this new talent as well. Um, but gosh, I'm really excited about his opportunities with us and his opportunity specifically with Will Levis and the development that he's going to be able to have on his game this year. Um, you know, there's definitely going to be some key areas that Scangarello addresses with Wellis early and often. And one of those things, like you said, AJ is taking care of the football. I know that Will only had 13 turnovers last year, but, you know, as a team, he had a lot of turnovers in general. Um, and to limit those mistakes, starting with Will Levis is going to be key and vital for our success this year. Yeah. Um, something that you touched on that I'm glad you did because um, I wanted to touch on it too was just kind of the similarities in the Rams offense that um, Liam Cohen brought over here and Rich's um, experience with the 49ers um, and kind of what he's going to bring over here. And, um, you know, I watch a ton of NFL football um, very closely and have had my um, eyes on the 49ers and the Rams for the past couple of seasons. Um, they've been some of the better teams in the league. Um, I actually had the privilege to go to the Super Bowl a few years ago down in Miami where I got to see the Chiefs take on the 49ers. Um, I saw firsthand Jimmy Garoppolo and that team and what they were able to do. And, you know, you can think what you want, but if Jimmy G makes one or two passes down the stretch in that fourth quarter, the 49ers are Super Bowl champs that year. And um, they were back in the NFC Championship game last year where they lost to the Rams, who were the eventual Super Bowl champions. So, um, you know, Rich has been a lot around a lot of success in the NFL. Um, you can just go back and look. Um, Sam brought it up with some of the different teams that he's been a part of, but when he was with the Broncos as their offensive coordinator, um, it was a time where they were struggling a little bit at quarterback, and um, when Rich took over, uh, Drew Locke was their quarterback, actually, and, I mean, you can go look at his stats. When Rich was there as his um, offensive coordinator, that's that's the best he's played so far in the NFL. Um you can go back and look at Jimmy Garoppolo's numbers um, when um, Rich was there with him and best of his career. And same goes for Nick Mullins, who was a quarterback for the 49ers as well when Jimmy G was hurt for a while. So um, three guys right there in the NFL who are starting games um, for these franchises um, where they have a guy who's working with them hand in hand in Rich Scangarello and, you know, they're putting up the best stats of their career. So that's super encouraging to see. Um, as I was diving a little bit deeper, um, came across a lot of stuff about Jimmy G actually talking about um, Rich Scangarello. Um, they were, when Jimmy was brought over to the 49ers, um, they kind of 
hit it off right away and were attached at the hip and working together. And um, just reading about what Jimmy said about Rich, it's it's very encouraging. He just talks about the excitement he has for the game, the way he's able to connect with him and the other players, and high IQ for the game of football, um, and really just kind of catering the way that he explains things to his quarterback in a way that they're going to understand and being able to put them in the best position to be successful. Um, his, his offense is a little bit different um, in the way that, um, and if you watch the 49ers play over the last few seasons, you'll, you'll see this a lot. Um, and it, it comes from Kyle Shanahan, but it's a, it's a lot of motion and misdirection. Um, it's it's a outside zone scheme uh, running attack that they like. Um, they like to be able to take their running back and, and push them out wide and be able to open up those holes and um, extend the field. Another thing they love to do is they love to run motions, reverses. Um, a guy that's in the news right now a lot is Debo Samuel because he's trying to get a contract from the 49ers. And if you paid attention to them play last year, I mean, that's a guy who's playing wide receiver that ends up with eight rushing touchdowns. I, you know, over four or 500 yards on the ground, plus 13, 12, 1300 yards in the air. I mean, so you can kind of see the way that they were able to use some of those weapons that they had. I mean, they have a lethal running attack, you know, over the last few years, they have running backs who get hurt. They bring in the next guy, he, boom, hundred plus yards a game. I mean, you can ask anybody who watches the NFL, the 49ers have one of the most, if not the most elite run game in the entire NFL. Um, so, you know, I'm not saying we have a guy like Debo Samuel where you're going to line him up as a wide receiver and hand him the ball off a, a ton of times. But what I'm what I'm trying to say is, you got a guy who's creative, who's able to use his weapons in different ways. Um, he's able to create mismatches out there on the field, um, and he's working very closely with the quarterback um, to be able to help him out to put his players in those positions um, to get the best results. And you know. I love it, man. Scangarello, dude. It just, I got a quote here um, as he was getting ready to come down to Kentucky, and I just want to read it for you guys because I think it just kind of embodies um, who he is as a coach and might get you guys a little excited. So, um, quote, I'm very excited to be coaching at Kentucky and in the Southeastern Conference, Scangarello said. The timing was perfect for me to be a coordinator again, especially under a head coach who has a vision for the offense we will run. His belief in a pro-style system felt like the right opportunity for me at the right time. I've watched UK play on film, and I really like the quarterback, Will Levis. Seeing how he plays in this high-level system was part of the appeal. I think we will continue doing great things, and I'm ready to get started. Um, so, you know, that's, that just tells me a lot right there. You got a, a guy who's well-connected in football, who understands the game, who can dissect the game, who's been a lot, around a lot of elite level talent. Um, and he's telling you, he's turning on the tape and he's watching Will Levis and he's saying, listen, um, for a guy who came into a new system with a brand new offensive coordinator where they're completely revamping an offense to be able to go out there and perform the way he did and process the information, and I know it wasn't perfect, but I mean, you guys all saw it. Will played great at times last year, and he really led our, our team in the right way. And I think that's where Scangarello puts on the tape and he watches that and he says, listen, I got a lot to work with here, okay? Um, these guys get it. They're smart. 
they pick up things fast and I'm going to be able to come in here and be able to have an impact on these guys and work with them hand in hand and really grow this offense. And you can tell he's just super excited for that opportunity. And one other thing that I wanted to point out about this guy, um, because I think it's a interesting dynamic about him is um, if you'll remember correctly, two years ago, or I'm sorry, last year, the 49ers traded up in the NFL draft and they drafted Trey Lance. And this is with Jimmy Garoppolo being their starting quarterback and they got a lot of heat for it. Um, and Jimmy ended up getting hurt and at one point and Trey played a little bit, but they obviously wanted to bring him in as a piece to be um, part of their future as, as potentially their um, starting quarterback of the future. And I bring that up because you don't do that unless you feel like you have people in place who can get the most out of a, a guy like that and who can really develop his game at the next level. And Rich Gangarello is their quarterback's coach at the time that they choose to draft this player and bring him into the organization. So I think it just says a lot about um, Rich as a coach and the belief that people have in him and um, Kyle Shanahan is truly, truly one of the most brilliant minds in the NFL um, at this time or at any time. And I mean, he comes from a long family history of football. So just the fact that he had that confidence, and I know there's other people that will be involved in Trey Lance's development and everything, and now Rich is obviously over here. But I think just at the time where you have a guy like that um, in that position is the only reason why you're drafting a guy like that is because you believe that you have those guys in place to help develop him. Um, so, like I said, I just think that when you take all of that into consideration, as Sam touched on previously, um, we're in good hands with um, Rich as our offensive coordinator, and it's just really excited to see him get into town and start working with these guys and um, really put together an offense that's going to build on last season, and hopefully we see some fireworks next year. No doubt. I think you made some some great points there. And I think the the last thing that I want to mention that is along the lines of Rich Gangarello uh, is the fact that he's actually coming in and joining another previous 49ers uh, coaching opportunity in Zach Yenzer, who, for those of you that maybe aren't familiar with his name, he is currently our offensive line coach. And, you know, we know the offensive line. That is the big blue wall. And I think it's a unique opportunity to where they get to work together again because they were at the 49ers um, working on the offense as well. And I think it's a unique opportunity that these two are familiar with one another and they can really develop both the pass and the run game by leaning on, you know, shared experiences and knowledge of, you know, how one another coaches and develops players and just having that trust factor. I think that's a huge, um, you know, key opportunity we're going to be able to exploit next year. It's just their comfortability level with one another. And um, I think that opens up a lot of opportunities for the development of Will Levis and then Chris Rodriguez behind that big blue wall. Yeah. Um, you talk about that big blue wall. I mean, that's, that's what they brought him in for is to really make an impact on that big blue wall and, um, you know, our offensive line is nothing to be messed with. I mean, 
you can look around the SEC. I mean, we're right up there with some of these other teams with as far as the talent goes on, at that position and being able to run um, some different run schemes and um, pass blocking schemes and things like that. So super encouraging and exciting to see all of this going on. And, um, you know, Sam, uh, I just wanted to take a little minute, a uh, minute here and ask you a quick question about Will Levis and, um, what do you kind of think this impact is going to be with the new, um, offensive coordinator on Will's game next season? Um, obviously last year we kind of touched on it. Um, a few too many interceptions. I mean, nothing crazy, but you you would have liked to see the decision making to be a little bit better. Um, definitely a little bit of better accuracy. Tended to airmail a few passes here and there. Um, get a little happy feet in the pocket. So definitely a few things that he needs to work on there. Um, but one thing that we did see last year was a exciting run game from our quarterback position. Um, so can you kind of touch on that and kind of where you see Rich taking our offense as far as it pertains to Will Levis? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you hinted at it, but bringing in Rich, I think it exploits the opportunity um, to develop the decision-making of Will Levis. As you alluded to, I mean, it's nothing major in the factor of the turnovers. Obviously, the more we can limit that, the better, but the way I'm interpreting this is with Rich, he is going to be able to help Will develop through his reads every play and just ultimately become a better decision maker as to where he's taking the ball. Um, You know, on full display last year, AJ was Will Levis's arm strength and at times his accuracy. And as you alluded to in that quote, Rich sees that and he's extremely excited about the opportunities he's going to have with his quarterback, but it all stems from the decision-making. That's both when to escape and when not to. You alluded to his playmaking ability with his legs. Um, I I think the more that Will Levis can develop his game off of that and not necessarily be a run-first quarterback because he will never be that. However, he needs to learn how to extend plays and be a better decision-maker as to when to extend those plays. Uh, As you alluded to, AJ, I mean... Trey Lance was going to be Rich Gangarello's project in the fact that they wanted him to be, you know, a dual threat quarterback that could extend plays and make correct decisions on the run outside of the pocket. And as you saw last year, AJ, that was an opportunity that we were able to exploit. And Will Levis really came into his own as far as developing himself into a dual threat quarterback. Like we said, I mean, he's not going to be rushing for, you know, record-breaking numbers or, you know, uh, breaking any touchdown records. But it is vital with the opportunity that Rich can bring to help develop Will Levis in that arena. And um, I'm really excited to, to see how he kind of exploits Will Levis in that part of his development. Because ultimately, AJ, I mean, if, if Will can just be a slightly better decision maker and have a better time clock in his head as far as when to go and when not to go. I really do think that can kind of move our explosiveness one level up. 
For sure, Sam. And, um, you know, one thing that I did want to touch on with him and that you, you did briefly touch on there was kind of his internal clock. Um, one thing that I look for specifically in quarterbacks is kind of their instincts. Um, as far as being in the pocket, it's easy for a quarterback to get not scared, but almost, um, kind of feel that pressure and be and want to just jump out of that pocket and take off. Um, but there is a nuance to playing that position as far as the footwork goes and being able to avoid sacks and keep yourself in the pocket and in a position to throw the football down the field without having to run away. Um, but then when you do kind of get out of that pocket and escape, you're able to make plays with your legs or your arm. Um, and, you know, I, th- I think Will will be able to point out the areas that he didn't necessarily succeed in last year and be able to correct some of those things. And especially with Rich working with him, I think they'll be able to dissect a lot of film and go over a lot of different things and be able to make those corrections. And um, I think for sure that he should um, be studying a few guys in the NFL. I mean, honestly, I think about Will Levis and you know, don't call me crazy, but I, I do think about a guy like Patrick Mahomes only in the sense that, you know, he's not like a super athletic guy or anything like that, but when you least expect it, he can take off and run 20, 30 yards down the field on you. And Will has that kind of explosiveness where he can definitely take off on you and he can, I mean, I've seen him run guys over hell, you know, He's even a bigger dude than Mahomes is. Um, obviously, he's not nearly as skilled, and you know, I'm not comparing the two in that sense. I'm just saying um, a guy who can, when all else fails, I can leave the pocket and make something happen. But a guy who's not just, I'm gonna leave the pocket as soon as it starts to collapse. Um, I'll bring up another legend, and I'm not comparing Levis to him, but I've watched a lot of Tom Brady. I've watched a lot of Tom Brady, and there is no one better at being able to move around the pocket. The guy's 45 years old, and he still can't get sacked. He, his internal clock and his instincts are – nobody in the history of the game has done it better than him in that sense. And that's where what we're talking about with Will is just understanding – when the line is going to break down, if you're going to get hit, feeling that pressure coming, understanding exactly when the ball needs to come out, where it needs to go, and just kind of building that more of a consistent, I know exactly what I'm going to do. Um, Not that you have to pre-plan where you're going with all your passes or anything, but you know exactly where your reads are and you know how to progress through them and you understand your coverage and you can kind of look around and be able to sense, hey, if things are breaking down, am I able to kind of stay in the pocket or do I need to be able to dive out and and go take this for a run? So I think those are some things that he just needs to clean up. And um, I think that will ultimately have a big impact on his accuracy because when he had time in the pocket and he was able to keep his feet there and keep his mechanics right. I mean, he would throw darts down the field in tight coverages, tight windows. I mean, he, he has that ability. So um, it's really just a few things that he needs to clean up on. And um, one thing that I for sure would like to see him do as he takes more control of our offense 
is just having more control of that offense at the line of scrimmage. Um, being able to walk up to the line of scrimmage and understand what the defense is trying to do and then be able to put his players in a position, um, being able to audible out of plays and being able to change things at the line of scrimmage. Um, I think that if he's able to do that and kind of take his game to the next level like that, that's going to go a long way in progressing our offense. Yeah, no, you bring up some great points. And I think those were some unique comparisons. Obviously we're talking about, two of the greats in Patrick Mahomes and obviously the greatest of all time in Tom Brady. Um, you know, for me, AJ, I've always kind of compared him to being maybe a, a baby Josh Allen. And, you know, when I say baby, I, I do not mean, you know, baby in the sense that our guy in the blue, it will Levis is any smaller or, you know, less dominant than Josh Allen, but obviously just, um, he really has an opportunity, like you said, to, develop his game um, and really hold his own at the collegiate level and then openly open up that window of opportunity to excel at the NFL. I mean, if you're reading on the scouting reports, early consensus is out and this guy's going to get drafted next year and he is really in the driver's seat as to where that's going to be. I mean, we've seen talks as high as of a first rounder and ultimately it's exciting for him because he's coming back and he has a full year to really put the league on notice and let his game just be on full display. And that's exciting. Um, you alluded to this AJ earlier, but our offense is definitely going to include a lot of misdirections, um, counters. Um, and a lot of that is always married with crossing routes through the middle. And AJ, I thought you hinted on this perfectly, but when Will Levis has the time to plant his footing and deliver a strike, he is on the money nine times out of 10. And we saw that kind of at the spring game um, with his touchdown pass to Dan Key, and that was a crossing route directly over the middle. And Guys, we're going to see a lot of that because that's what opens up the outsides for that run game. Um, that's how you can break down defenses and then ultimately have your, you know, high impact big plays over the top. But that is how you get defenses to check down into different coverages. And as you alluded to AJ, the more efficient and effective Will Levis can be in those type of passing scenarios, the way more effective we are going to be on the offensive end next year. Yeah, absolutely. And you got to love an offense where you're not asking a guy to go out there and throw the ball 35, 40 plus times a game. Um, I mean, you even saw it last year where Will didn't even have to throw the ball 20 times in a game. I mean, if you got the run game going and you can then build off of that and throw in some play action and some a few different things, um, you know, as long as he can be consistent and on the money, I mean, it's going to open up our offense for a lot of explosive plays. And if you can be accurate on those plays, then that's really all you need. You know, you got to make the timely throws. You got to avoid the turnovers. And when the big plays there, you got to be able to take advantage and capitalize on that. And we saw it last year for sure. Definitely needed a little bit more consistent this year, but, um, it was really exciting to see some of those explosive plays last year. I mean, I, you know, we've been watching Kentucky football a long time and, you know, I'm not going to say we've never seen that many explosive plays, but last year was fun to just kind of see some of those, you know, 60, 70 yard touchdown plays that you don't get to see a whole ton of. And even some of the ones from 
more center, um, you know, towards the midfield or something like that, 40, 50 yards in outside the red area, um, being able to score like that, also being able to take a drive 15, 16, 17 plays down the field and uh, pound it home into the end zone. So being able to do those sorts of things, switch things up, keep defenses on their heels, um, all good things. You know, we're definitely moving in the right direction. It's going to be fun to see how things progress and um, where they ultimately um, end up at the end of the season and um, everything that goes into that. So um, I think it's time we're going to transition into just talking a little bit about um, kind of where our program's headed and our expectations for the next couple of seasons and kind of where we see things going. And with that being said, Sam, um, I just kind of wanted to put something out there and then I'm going to let you respond to it and kind of see how you feel about this. But, um, you know, as I was thinking about our football program and kind of where I would like to see us go, um, obviously I want national championships and all those sorts of things. And I'm, 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 I'm going to be realistic with this. So I don't want to just say things like that are outlandish or anything like that. But I truly do believe that with the coaching staff that we are putting together and the program that we continue to build, I honestly don't see any reason why within the next couple of years, we cannot be a powerhouse of the SEC competing with the Georgias, the Alabamas, beating Florida consistently, being able to win games on the road and compete and get to an SEC championship game and put ourselves in a position um, to ultimately win that game and see what, what what happens after that. And I really don't think that's out of the realm of possibility within the next few years. I don't either. I mean, truthfully, as we alluded to earlier, I mean, we have been stacking – one good year after another since Mark Stoops took over the, the reins here in Lexington, Kentucky. And we're not that far off. I mean, we showed this year that, you know, despite going in to Georgia and losing handedly, I know that, but we gave them a hell of a fight and put up two touchdowns to where at a point in the season, AJ, they had only given up one defensive touchdown all year. And in walks Kentucky and, you know, throws 13 up on the board. And that's exciting. And um, I I really do agree with you. Uh, It's going to take time. I think the next big step for our program, AJ, is to be more of a consistent, prolific top 25 team year in and year out. I mean, uh, you know, last year we're going to finish up with being the 18th best team in the nation with the Citrus Bowl champs under our belt again. Uh, you know, this isn't the first time in the last couple of years that we've cracked the top 25. And I think, you know, next year is a huge opportunity that to where if we can hover around that top 25 all year long, it just, it creates that sense of respect, both within the league, but more importantly with recruiting. And as you continue to see Mark Stoops consistently has developed players into extreme NFL talent and that's incredible and that that's what's going to help us 
stack the building blocks to where we ultimately get to what you're saying, AJ, and that's competing at the highest level in the best conference in college football against the Georgias, against, you know, the Floridas, the Auburns, hell, even the Alabamas. I know that's always a, you know, a next step up in itself, but the more we can stack these seasons on top of each other, I don't see it too far off in the distance, AJ, as you're alluding to, to where we truly are a consistent top performer in the SEC. Yeah, I think um, I think you did a much better job of putting some more realistic expectations on that um, than I did. Um, I kind of went down a little bit farther in the future, but you kind of reeled me back in there a little bit for the next couple of years. But I, I like where your head's at for sure. I think building that that consistency there. Um, not that it's been there over the past few years, but you know, consistently winning nine, ten games for three or four years in a row, something like that. Um, you really start to put yourself in that conversation. And um, one thing that I did want to note, and I thought this was this was really interesting, and um, I heard this a couple of weeks ago. I was um, listening to the radio Sirius XM channel eighty eight NFL radio uh, show called Moving the Chains with Jim Miller and Pat Kerwin. Um, if you've never heard of it, go check it out. It's a great show. Two former um, NFL players, executives, guys who have been around the league for a long, long, long time. And um, they were interviewing some guys around the scouting combine uh, week and kind of getting some information from different players. And um, they did a interview with Trayvon Walker, the defensive end from Georgia. And they were picking his brain on a lot of different things, NFL, um, about the combine, kind of how he sees his game, different things like that. And I can't remember who it was. It was, it was one of the, you know, either one of the hosts, either Jim or Pat asked him, um, what was the most difficult thing or difficult team or difficult kind of um, unit that you had to go against in college. Um, where did you find the most difficult challenge? Um, and his his answer surprised me, honestly, and I think it probably surprised every person out there that was listening at that time, um, because he said the toughest thing to do was to go up against the Kentucky offensive line. And he said, with all due respect to the Bamas and the A&Ms and the Mississippi States, he said, listen, People don't respect what Kentucky's been doing over the last few years, but they have built a real football team with real talent and up front especially. They are men and they are not to be messed with and they go to war. They will beat you up. They will drag you to the ground. They will do anything they can to open up that hole and get that lane open and to protect their quarterback and to get the running back in the end zone. And I just thought that that said a lot about... um, you know, that's coming from a guy who's going to be a first-round draft pick who just won a national championship and has played against the most elite talent there is in college football. And he's talking about a team uh, down in Lexington that's got a group of guys up front um, on their offensive line that can really do some damage. And I just, like I said, I just think that kind of shows you where our program's headed and the fact that we are developing better talent and we are starting to form into quite a force to be reckoned with down in the southeastern conference yeah absolutely aj and i thought that was a extremely exciting answer to receive um obviously that's 
high praise on the Kentucky Wildcats and that big blue wall that we referred to. I mean, Mark Stoops has really built something here in Lexington. And as we said, I mean, he has consistently showed that we are trending north year end and year out. And that has accumulated to now Mark Stoops' best recruiting class coming in this year, y'all. I mean, he is currently sitting at the number 14th composite ranked recruiting class in the nation no we're not talking about basketball we're talking about football guys that is extremely exciting you know oftentimes like you said aj mark stoops has proven that he is a prolific player developer and he does a lot of that with you know three-star recruits and we are pulling in four stars left and right now and that's gosh that is amazing to kind of reflect on where we came from and ultimately where we are and where we're headed. And like you said, the respect is starting to get there and gosh, darn it, put some darn respect on these UK Wildcats and Mark Stoops because they've earned it. And if you don't want to do it now, then it's going to be too late because we're coming and we're coming full speed ahead. And like you said, every time you step on the field with the Kentucky Wildcats, I promise you, you're going to leave beat up because Mark Stoops is that guy and he coaches that team. 100%. It's a it's a fun style of football. Definitely a um a team that the fans can get behind and really um, buy into the whole culture and atmosphere that Stoops has created around the Big Blue Nation and the football team here and um I can't wait to see Kroger Field packed. I mean, I know everyone is going to be fired up for the season to start and um with that being said sam is now going to give you guys a little news and update regarding the basketball team and some exciting news as far as cal and his coaches on the recruiting trail things have heated up a lot this past week, AJ, in the world of college basketball. Um, for those of you that follow it as closely as AJ and I do, uh, you would be familiar that the EYBL Invitational Tournament is going on this weekend where the biggest stars in college basketball over the next five years of talent all gather together in um, one large showcase tournament where if you're anybody, you're there. And thankfully, the Kentucky Wildcats coaching staff has showed out in full color this past weekend where they have sat and, gosh, recruited the next three years of UK hopefuls, and that's extremely exciting. Um, There's been some recent offers that have been on the table for the 2023 class, so the big one is obviously we're still honing in on the opportunity with DJ Wagner. And um, we actually had the coaching staff in for all of his games this past weekend, as we continue to press hard for him. I mean, guys, if you turn on the tape, he is the guy we need in Kentucky blue. Um, Louisville's kind of creeping up on us, AJ, but that is only because of the relationship that DJ Wagner and his father, Dejon Wagner have with Kenny Payne. But we're hoping, obviously, the roots and the ties that Dijon has to Coach Calipari from the days he played under him 
will be enough to secure that number one overall recruit in the t- class of 2023. But more pressing news and more immediate news is that, as expected, Damian Collins officially announced that he's returning to Kentucky for his sophomore year. Uh, I, I know that this is expected news, AJ, but I want to remind all Big Blue Nation how big of an announcement that is. Because Damian Collins was a five-star top 25 recruit, AJ. We're, we don't oftentimes get that raw talent back. And I know he didn't get to display his full arsenal this past season with limited minutes, but gosh, I mean, when you do look at his flashes, they're as exciting as anyone. And when you look at what he was consistently doing leading up to the season and the reports coming out of the coaching staff and that locker room, everyone was talking about how Damian Collins was dominant at practice and in the blue white game. And obviously that kind of transitioned out and he didn't really flourish to the full capabilities of what we thought he was going to, but gosh, getting him back that length, that athleticism, that's huge for our opportunity next year. Um, You know, we referred to it on the last podcast episode, AJ, but having someone down low that can help Oscar with length is vital for our success next year. And Damian Collins, I mean, gosh, if he can get in the weight room and he can put on a few pounds, he's our guy. He's our guy. And that's extremely exciting. Um, it's going to be a huge off season for him and his development, but he really can carve out a, a massive consistent role next year. And I think he knows that. And I think Cal was the first to announce that because he said, you know, our season next year really is going to revolve around Damian Collins more so than Big Blue Nation um, maybe recognizes currently. But that's exciting. Um, there is still a lot going on, guys, with the transfer portal and our remaining 2022 scholarship offers. Um, as we referred to last time, Leonard Miller had previously cut down to his top three options with remaining Kentucky. Arizona and the G League. It was announced as of yesterday on Saturday, April 23rd, that Leonard Miller was officially declaring for the 2022 NBA draft. However, he's remaining his college eligibility by not hiring a agent for the draft process. So um, I think he's all but gone. So we're going to have to kind of Uh, Wait to see if anything changes there, but we can kind of kiss that opportunity goodbye at this point, which is okay, because obviously we address the length concern with Damian Collins' announcement that he will be returning for a sophomore season. Um, And we are really honing in on our opportunities in the transfer portal, y'all. So we got to stay close. Obviously, we'll bring you guys the most up-to-date news, but we are far from done. And like I said before, this is a marathon, not a sprint, just because we're not grabbing people left and right from the transfer portal yet does not mean we're not getting the right guys. As we talked about, guys, Coach Cal is building a very specific roster that excites AJ and I to a new level. He's not just going to bring in anyone to address X, Y, and Z. He's going to make sure that they are addressing the exact thing that we need and buying into the type of culture that we are going to set next season. And that's extremely excited. But thanks for tuning in, guys. Um, that's it for me. How about you, AJ? Yeah, the only thing I wanted to touch on with the uh, Damian Collins news was, um, as you said, 
extremely excited to see him get to work and um, what he's able to do um, and where he ultimately is at the start of next season and how he progresses throughout the year. I think it's um, pretty awesome. You mean, you think about it, you got Oscar, you've got Damian Collins, and you have Lance Ware, all three guys who were on the team last year in the front court. You got all three guys coming back this year. So that continuity uh, between those three guys, I feel as if you can get a nice little rotation going there, switch those guys, um, be able to play Lance with Oscar um, at times or be able to play Damian with Oscar at times. Um, seemed as if last year, a lot of times, you know, we took Oscar out, we put Lance in. Um, that was about the only substitution we had for Oscar, um, unless we wanted to kind of go small as a team. But um Exciting to be able to have those three players in the front court and to see where we go because of that. Um, as Sam said, lots of news um, breaking all the time. Uh, Kentucky, you always keep us on our toes. We're always looking for the next thing to come out because it seems like these days there's breaking news almost every day. So um, we'll keep you guys up to date with that as much as we can. We will be back for another episode on Friday. And yeah, I just wanted to say we appreciate you guys listening. We appreciate you guys checking out the podcast. Um, obviously, this is only episode four. We're just getting our feet wet, but I'm starting to have a lot of fun with this and um, really enjoying bringing you guys this information. And um, we look forward to continuing this um, as we progress through the offseason and into the season next year. With that being said, uh, please follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at the AO Kentucky Pod. You can also follow Sam and I on Twitter on our personal accounts. Mine is at Andrew John Bradley, and Sam's is at SamBrad66. Please rate and review the show. It goes a long way in helping us grow the podcast. Share it with all your friends, your Big Blue Nation brothers and sisters. And like I said, we will see you all on Friday for the next episode of the All Out Kentucky Podcast. Sam, I will see you next time, my friend. Thanks, y'all. There's only one thing left to say. Oh, C-A-T-S, cats, cats, cats.